0: Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. that's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: Building the processes internally to support your team, building the right management team and the management structure and people that, you know, where you're not the smartest person in the room, that can really take you to that next level.
0: Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. In the world of business, understanding your company's financial
2: health is paramount. Today, we unlock the secrets to business financial success. Our guest, Jason Kruger, president and founder of Signature Analytics, will guide you through the labyrinth of numbers and show you how to make better informed decisions. Discover why cash flow is the lifeblood of small businesses and why being the smartest person in the room isn't always necessary. Plus, Jason shares the importance of knowing every aspect of your business. Get ready to revolutionize your approach to business and achieve unprecedented growth. Let's dive in. Hey, Jason, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How is it going today? Go well. It's,
1: uh, you know, we were talking, I'm in San Diego and um, looking forward to the summer months. Thanks for having me on.
2: Yeah. Thank you for being on. I know we were kind of sharing that I'm in Northern California and we're, we're usually used to like having really perfect weather this time of year. And it's definitely been a different year. I think you've got more gloomy and I feel like I have more wind. So, (laughs) and I know to other folks, that's probably in other parts of the country, hopefully everybody's safe. I know there's a storms going on in the, in the East, I believe. So, uh, Yeah. Anyway, thanks for being on. I'd love to start with just talking a little bit about you. What do you do? And maybe just tell me a little bit about you personally.
1: Yeah, sure. So, well, from a personal perspective, got three young daughters. uh, So that keeps me very busy. And they're in all the types of different things. From a professional perspective, started my career in public accounting, took the accounting and finance route, uh, spent uh, a couple of years with Moss Adams, which is a, a large regional national firm, And then uh, spent a a number of years, about seven or eight years with Deloitte Touche, which is one of the big four accounting firms. And as we were talking about before, really saw even the clients we worked with at Deloitte saw a real need and noticed that they were underserved in their accounting and finance function. A lot of these companies in the small, mid-market, like your audience, um, they deserve better than what they had as far as that level of sophistication but they couldn't necessarily afford the top talent. They didn't need the top talent to come in. You know, they didn't need full-time individuals. So what we did is, or what I did is, I decided to leave Deloitte and I, I founded Signature Analytics. And uh, it's in its simplest form, it's outsourced accounting and CFO advisory support, but it's a flexible, scalable model to allow us to supplement and work collaboratively with our clients' existing teams, but to provide them the financial leadership to give them confidence in their numbers, Visibility into their financial information, so that ultimately they can make good decisions to achieve their goals. So, started that in two thousand eight, right around when the economy was very uncertain at that time. And then, move fast forward to today, we have about eighty employees, uh, all full time employees. We're very big on process and how we do things. So, full time employees is critical for us. And uh, service a number of clients throughout the United States.
2: So, when we talk about like larger firms maybe not being able to provide the level of service that uh, an organization like yours provides. Can you define that a little bit? Like, where is that short? I mean, you know, how does it not maybe live up to the benefit of especially small and medium-sized businesses? Like, where's that differentiator?
1: Yeah, so I think the larger firms are where I came from. A lot of traditional CPA firms are more uh, a tax and audit support. And I think a lot of small business owners of, they put a lot of reliance in their in their their CPA, their tax advisor. They think, "Well, I have a CPA." They're overlooking my financials, and I should be in, in good shape. The reality is, a lot of CPAs uh, or most CPAs, you know, really they're focused on you know, make sure that the, ta- the taxes tax returns are filed. I call them a lot of times the maybe they're they're providing some level of oversight, some level of CFO. I kind of call it sometimes like a flyby C- CFO. I'll check in once a quarter, make sure everything looks good. I'll take a look at your financials, you know, once a year, a couple times a year to make sure we can file the tax return, but there's really not a focus on, you know, true ongoing support, you know, in the weeds, really focusing on how do we achieve your goals? How do we improve your business? And so what we do is, you know, we we actually do not provide tax services. We're not filing your tax return. Uh, we don't provide audit or reviewed financial services. We are your internal accounting support or team. It doesn't mean that we're taking over everything. A lot of times we'll we'll evaluate and we'll assess your current team and we'll fill in the gaps. We'll provide that leadership to make sure you have confidence that you can go to bed at night, your cash flow and your cash is being managed appropriately, you're paying your bills effectively, you're invoicing effectively, you're collecting. And then at the end of each month or on a consistent basis, you're getting the right reporting so that you can really focus on understanding your business, understand your margins. To make decisions on you know, how you're going to take that next step as a business. And that's really our focus is we want to work with companies that have a growth mindset, that are really looking to grow. And that's where we can provide the most value.
2: Very cool. So I want to switch gears and I want to go back to 2008. You decide you're going to start a business. 2008, big recession, really tough time. I think you said you had a laptop and, and yourself is really right. how you started your business. Two-part question. One would be... you know what were you thinking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One, and then two, take me through that journey a little bit. And then I'd love for you, If and I'll be happy to reiterate this towards the end of your answer. I'd love for you to articulate that right now. We could be going into a recession. There's a lot of discussion around that. If we could bring that to life for either new business owners or current business owners, how should they be preparing? What should they be doing? I'd love to know your thoughts. So yeah. maybe you could just tell me, bring me back to 2008 and just kind of take me through that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I was in a point in my career, so it was a combination of things, 2008, I was in a point in my career where I knew that I wanted to make that next step outside of public accounting. So I was trying to determine what that next step was. I had more, a little bit more of an entrepreneurial spirit. So I said, okay, I, have, you know, I was young, I didn't have kids, I was newly married. And so I thought, hey, if I'm going to you know, take some level of risk, this is going to be it as far as, you know, then, you know, 2008 came into play. And I think there's a lot of ignorance of being younger and, uh, you know, not having a lot, (laughs) there's a lot of ignorance that goes along with that as far as, Hey, you know, if we're going to make this happen, I'm going to point in my career where, where let's make this happen. I see a lot of opportunity there in that market. I think it's actually funny. I left Deloitte and then two weeks later or a week later, you know, I saw this You know, sky on TV all the time. You know, Ben Bernanke. I'm like, who's this guy? You know, he's he's on TV all the time. What's all this? What's all going on? And you know, the economy starts falling apart, and everything starts going crazy. So, I think a lot of that was just timing, but it also gave me the opportunity to really get to know, you know, small business, what they were going through, the struggles that they were feeling, and offer some level of support to them in those difficult times. I think. Looking forward to today. Obviously, cross our fingers. Hope not, you know we're not going to experience something like two thousand eight. But we're definitely seeing a slowdown in in some of our our clients in the market. We're seeing various reasons. I think as a result of that. But there's a number of things that we're working with our clients on to be able to prepare effectively for that. The first thing is obviously I'm a you know big proponent of you got to know your numbers. You got to have good financial information. If you have a budget, that's even better. but solid financial start with solid financial information. From there, then you can really dig deeper into your business, understand how you can pivot or make adjustments to improve cash flow, improve profitability, be more prepared from a, a business ta- downturn perspective. One thing, you know we all know that interest rates have gone up and there's inflation, but I think there's there's still a lot of opportunity to if you know your banker and if you have debt on the books to improve your current financing situation. There's a number of clients that are, or a number of companies that have debt currently and it might be on a variable rate. So three years ago, that rate was great. And now they're paying over 10% because of the, the rate in- increases. There's still an opportunity to improve that, refinance. There's some programs out there as an example, we had an SBA loan because we bought out a, a previous shareholder about three years ago. And that three years ago, that, that was at 6%, I think. It got up over nine, 10%, um, or started heading in that direction. And you know, fortunately, we have a, a good banking relationship and we were able to uh, talk to them about what are some options here. And uh, with an SBA loan, it's challenging because you're not able to refinance an SBA with an SBA and the bank gets a lot of, they get a lot of collateral or, you know, an SBA will will give a lot of uh, comfort for a bank and they're able to loan more. So if you have, for those that are listening in California, there's actually a, an SBA equivalent in the state of California that will incre- has increased their, their lending limit from a million dollars to five million dollars. That's just started, I believe, in November, December timeframe. So you can refinance an SBA with this new California program, and you can get it at a fixed rate. And if you know your banker, you can get it at a, a rate that's much more reasonable than maybe what you currently have. So there's a lot of opportunity from a debt perspective. And I'm very, very big on that for your clients that have that. Other things that are, you know, that we wanna certainly look at is your SGA costs. And some, you know, business owners think, "Oh, I got to slash everything by twenty percent." Well, I think it's important. There's opportunity in a down market to take advantage. Some areas you might want to increase costs because you can take advantage of market share. Other areas, there's opportunities to to really see how efficient that you might might be able to make your business. We've seen a lot of increases in technology costs. So there's different technologies we're all seeing. It's ten percent, twenty percent increase every year. So really evaluating. We took a big look at. We took a significant look at our technology stack back in November, December time period, and there was technologies that we were paying you know a lot of money for that we weren't using. Some of them, we weren't using what we were paying for. Some of them, there was alternatives that we could be using. We were able to reduce our costs significantly by looking at the tech stack. Looking at your people, I think if some, a lot of companies have invested in growth over the last two to three years. One has that growth materialized. And two, are you still, do you still have those people that you're investing in for growth that maybe aren't, you're maybe not getting the results. So that's where it becomes difficult. You start have to look, you you start looking at your people and that's the most challenging thing for business owners is, hey, maybe I have to let some people go, but are they really driving, you know, do you need those individuals now? Are you really going to continue to invest in that potential growth or does it make sense to pull back on some individuals, scale back, be more conservative now? And then potentially in the future, you know, bring individuals back on in that capacity. So those are some really big ones. Companies that have, that are manufacturing companies, managing inventory is critical. We're seeing a lot of companies with, that have significantly more inventory than they need because of all the supply chain issues that happened before. And what I always say is inventory is basically cash on the shelf, right? So if you have no cash, we see a lot of companies that are very profitable and they say, well, I have no cash. Where's all my cash? Well, it's sitting on the shelf. inventory so how do you manage that effectively so that you can do that and there's also ways to really look at shipping costs there's companies out there that can really you know dig into contract negotiations with with shipping and carriers that can really help from that perspective and then the last thing is cost of your cost of goods sold your margins really understanding the margins of your business and you know one percent improvement on a margin it can be a significant increase to a business and that flows right to the bottom line. So 1% increase in margin on $10 million you know, is a lot of money. That's hundred grand, flows right to the bottom line. That creates more cash flow, creates more profitability. So really digging in and trying to find that 1% or 2% on each way makes a big difference as well. So those are some of the things that we're really focusing on right now from a, a business downturn preparation perspective.
2: Good stuff. I've got a few things I want to drill down on that you brought up. In terms of operational expenses, you were talking about maybe your headcount, making sure you're getting everything that you know you can out of it out of them. Where do you think AI fits into this? is in in terms of strategy, whether it be more investment or potentially cost reduction? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think both. I think there's a it depends on your business. I think there's a there's a lot of unknowns. So Chad GPT, we actually uh, have been you know fooling around with that. We're we're able to, it's created a lot of efficiencies in how we do things. And we're able to pass that efficiency on to our clients. Our goal is to give them the highest level of value, a cost point that makes sense. So if we can drive their costs down and give them more value, that's a win for us. So we're able to leverage that even on certain levels of financial reporting and types of things. From a marketing perspective, I've seen that a lot. So, and it's something if you have a, if you leverage, if you have an internal marketing team and you're you're creating content and you're creating blogs, and you're pushing that out, and you're pushing that out into social media. Look up you know different levels of AI. I mean, some of these articles can be written for you, and the team, instead of spending hours and hours on on writing specific articles, you can draft articles that have the have the content, and then the team can then modify that content much more effectively and efficiently. If you use an outsource firm marketing firm, ask them about it, the ones that are embracing it, and being proactive are the ones you wanna work with. The ones that are scared of it, they're trying to maintain their billable hours. That's not who you really wanna work with. I think as far as investing in it right now, it's, it's a little, it depends on your business. If you're gonna actually incur additional costs to invest in certain levels, the market is a little uncertain right now. So it really depends on who you are. We're big on investing heavily in technology to be ahead of the curve, but we're not building we're not investing a lot. In some cases, we built our own technology, but in most cases, we want to know what's out there and how can we leverage technology that's already been developed to continue to be more efficient and effective. So I would, to answer your question in short form, definitely know what's out there. Identify if you can use certain levels of technology to become more efficient, and that's probably the way to go. If you're looking at in making heavy monetary investments, make sure you understand what that means in the long term, and that you understand the run rate of those investments as well. Got
2: it. Okay. Another thing you brought up was budget. You said, uh, you know, one of the things you should have is a budget. When does a budget start for a company in your mind? Like is is a company that's a hundred thousand dollar a year company, should they be doing a budget versus a company that's a $10 million company? When does that budget get introduced? What's your thoughts around that?
1: I would say as soon as possible. Okay. because it's really an a way to truly evaluate your business and i think that what happens a lot of times is business owners know well everyone says i should i should create a budget so they create a budget and they do it in january of the of that year and then they say okay great and then they throw it in the in the desk and then it's never really looked at or used again and so that's not you're not getting value out of a budget that way what is you know the best way to in my opinion a better way to approach that is to start that process early. So we're in June, you know, by September, we want to make sure we're already focusing on 2024 and start focusing on what does 2024 look like, planning for 2024 and building out what are our expectations. In addition to just a a budget that's strictly the income statement or the P&L, we want to understand the movement of and how that impacts cash. So for, for small businesses, cash is critical. So how does your budget on the income statement side impact your cash and your cash flows throughout the year? A lot of companies, if, if they grow, if there's fast growth, cash is, can be a, a challenge. And so we have to understand the investments we're making and the, the cash impact on that as well so that we need to know, do we have enough cash to achieve the goals that we need, that we really truly want to achieve? So that's, that's critical as well. But the other thing is really building out, especially your, your expense infrastructure is critical. So then you can say, okay, here's our plan. Here's how we're going to execute against that, and here's how we're trending. And then we can compare that every month. How are we trending against this? And then we can modify or tweak things based on what's happening with the business from month to month. And then on the sales side, um, what I see a lot of uh, companies doing is saying, well, I'm just going to anticipate 10% growth or 20% growth. Right. But what does that really mean, right? So digging into that and saying, well, how do I actually get 10 or 20% growth? What is my sales team doing to achieve that? what are the activity, you know, digging into the activities, what is this truly reasonable? Can they do this? Or is this just, you know, well, we grew 10% last year, so we're going to go fit 20% this year. So really digging into the details and the metrics of how that happens is critical so that you really have an understanding from the ground up as to how you're going to grow your business and how you're going to exceed or achieve those goals. And then from an ongoing basis, then you have metrics to measure against. You're saying, okay, we've built this budget based on these activities and this success level from our sales team. Are we achieving that? And now let's compare against how we achieve that. If we are, that's great. And then our expenses can follow through and we can invest in those expenses. If we aren't, well, maybe we have a sales problem. So we need to relook really at some of our expenses and our cash flows as a result. So there's a lot of things, you know, comparing and, and using that budget on an ongoing monthly basis is there's there's significant value in that.
0: If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business overwhelmed responsible for everything that happens and working long hours tyler helps his clients develop processes hire high-performing team members and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable less hands-on business to schedule a free no pressure consultation head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business not in your business schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com Think life, think success, think business. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
1: So we need to relook at some of our expenses and our cash flows as a result. So there's a lot of things you know comparing and and using that budget on an ongoing monthly basis is there's there's significant value in that.
2: Got it. That's a great explanation. Hey, one other thing you brought up is know your banker. Mm-hmm. And I'd just be curious, what exactly does that mean? So you have, you know, oftentimes business owners, they go out and open up at a large institution and they use them strictly just for transactional items. Does that mean you're taking your banker out to lunch? Is that, is that the, the individual that's responsible for lending? Should we be banking with large institutions or is this more smaller banks that we can have some relationship? What are your thoughts around that?
1: Yeah, it you know it depends. I think for small businesses my preference is more of the local regional banks that you can really develop a strong relationship with. The larger banks if you're a smaller company, they don't tend to allocate the resources to you personally that you may need. Smaller banks, you know, you can be a smaller company and you can have a direct relationship with the CEO. There's nothing better than that, right? The decision maker. They know your business. They as you continue to grow, they see your financials, they see your growth, they, they gain confidence in who you are as a person and who you are as a business. So when they're making a decision on, on loaning you money, it's not all about the numbers. It's about who this person is. I've known that you know the CEO of the bank is saying, I've known this, this company, I've known this person for 10 years. They're solid. They do things the right way. We want to work with these guys. We want to work with this company. In addition, they can be a a very strong advisor. So, you know, meeting with your banker on a quarterly, at least twice a year and using them as an advisor, they're not going to send, the great thing is they're not going to send you an invoice for their time either, because, you know, they either want your business or they're servicing you and you already, they already have your business through financing and they can provide a lot of, they can really provide a lot of advice as far as what's out there, what are opportunities, what are they seeing in the market? If you know your banker and you already have financing in place, they can talk about, hey, I see your business is struggling in this area. Maybe this type of financing might be better for you. Maybe we can refinance what we already have. We can give you some extra cash flow. In the meantime, we can extend your line of credit. But if you don't talk to your banker, if you don't know your banker, and you just show up and say, hey, I want a line of credit, or I want you know, I want this, they might be able to work with you to try to, to support that, but you're not going to get the same level of the odds of getting what you truly need is not going to be
2: the same as if you have that relationship up front. Okay. That's good, good feedback. I want to talk about leadership teams a little bit. So you brought a CEO on to your company. So you actually brought someone in theoretically higher than your own role, or at least at the same level. Right. What was the decision making on that for you personally? And then when is the right time? How do you know when it's the right time if you're growing business? to not only create a leadership team, but maybe even bring a CEO in that's going to steer the business itself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing is, I've always been focused on achieving the goals that I set out for this company. And so I don't have an ego about it. If I can bring in anybody that can help us to achieve these goals and surround myself with good people, then let's do that, right? And so I think, obviously... There has to be, you know, the, the business owner has to have that, the ability to personally say, okay, hey, you know what? I'm not the smartest person in the room. I want to make sure I surround myself with smart people because ultimately my goal is to be over here and grow and achieve these goals for this business. So let's build this, let's build the management team to allow us to do that. I knew my limitations. I knew what I was, you know, very good at, but I also knew where as a first time entrepreneur, I didn't have experience. And so we were able to bring in an individual. His name is Pete Heald. He's been with us for six or seven years now. And he's he's basically my business partner now. Uh, We collaborate. We work together. He takes over certain aspects of the business. I focus on other aspects of the business. And so it's really allowed me more flexibility on the areas that I do focus on, but also allow it really helps from a personal, from a uh, work-life balance perspective as well, where you know, I actually, family is very important to me. So I want to make sure I'm spending time with family and doing those things. And so he's, you know, doing a lot of, he's adding tremendous value to our company and, and offsetting things that I'm not as strong in. And I offset things that he's not as strong in. So that's critical. I think though, the, the, what's important though, is that as a business owner, it's critical to know every aspect of your business. If the idea is to say, Hey, I want to hire a CEO. And then, so I can just go off and go to the beach every day. I don't personally think you're going to see as much success as if you stay in the business because nobody knows the business more than you do. And nobody has the same passion for the business as you do. And nobody is willing to do whatever it takes, like the business owner is. And so same thing with you know what I've I've seen a lot before too is companies they get to certain size and say okay great I'm going to hire a, a sales sales guy or a sales team and then I don't have to worry about sales ever again. Well, what I found out or what we've seen a lot is you really got to know your business. You can hire a great sales team, but you have to really understand, start to become an expert in in sales and business development. Become an expert in marketing. Become an expert in you know the operational side of your business so that you can because yourself or your CEO or as a business owner you're still managing those individuals and you have, need to make sure you're managing them to success because ultimately the bottom line you know, falls down into your pocket and your sales team is going to, they're going to spend whatever, they're going to want to spend whatever it takes to achieve their goals. And so are others. So you have to, you know, really maximizing the value out of each part of your business is really critical.
2: Yeah. So I always like to end the show with uh, this one question. I'd like to ask you, is there a business or a life tip, something you've learned along your journey that you can share with us? Mm -hmm.
1: I think it goes back to what I just said is, is know your business, right? And know the value of each aspect of your business. Companies I see are successful. They value, you know, accounting and finance. They know it's important. They know that instead of looking at it as a necessary evil, where I have to pay my bills, I got to have cash in the bank for payroll, and I got to invoice and collect and I have to do my taxes. It's how do I see what's happening? How do I make decisions and get visibility into what's happening to improve my business? So that, that's one D. And then from a sales and marketing perspective, again, know your business, know what's happening. If you just hire an outsourced marketing, or if you hire an inter- internal or outsourced marketing firm, and you say, hey, go do marketing, they're going to do marketing, but you're not going to understand what equate, equals success, right? They're going to always want more, more a higher budget. Right? And then are you actually getting results? What are the results you're getting? Do you understand what they're doing? HR, I never realized the importance of HR until we hired an amazing individual uh, in human resources that really redefined our entire business and culture and how we evaluate our team and our our people management process and how we leverage technology in those areas and growth and continuous education. So there's tremendous value there. And operations, most business owners, that's their core, right? They started this business because they know uh, the operations side and they can they can get it done. So that's usually their strength. But knowing your business is critical. Jumping in with two feet, I think personally think is critical. It's very difficult to try to moonlight and say, well, i want to start a business and I'm gonna kind of do it part-time until it gets up and going. That's tough. And then I think I may have mentioned this before, but you know, willpower and and taking that long-term vision is, can get you a long way, right? I've seen a lot of business owners who start, uh, they say, I'm starting a business. And a year later they're they've already moved on to something else. I will say that after a year and a half of doing what I was doing, I think I had, we were doing like $3,000 a month in revenue. And that's because I was still trying to figure it out. I was still trying to, you know, it wasn't making any money. and, And we just certainly didn't seem like we were doing, you know, were very successful, but I, I was always looking at the long, long range and the long term and saying, okay, hey, I still believe in this. I still can make it happen. So willpower can really take you a long way. And I, I say, those are the critical areas to, to success that I've seen as a business owner is really knowing your business, building the processes internally to support your team, building the right management team and the management structure and people that, you know, where you're not the smartest person in the room, that can really take you
2: to that next level. Yeah. I echo what you say in terms of um not trying to find a, a plug-and-play solution for critical areas of your business. I see this too many times where, you know, we'll hire maybe a, a company that comes and does the accounting or the bookkeeping and we just don't know anything about it. And we right. just we just accept everything to be true. And we don't really understand the numbers behind uh, the, the detail that's making up the numbers, or whether they're even accurate, or like you said, the sales team—like really understanding, like what, what's creating that conversion or not a lack of conversion—just yeah. just such huge components. And and when I look at the companies that often are the most successful, they're more often than not are doing having the attention to detail in those areas. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, work sixty hours a week, but it does mean you have to have a finger on the pulse. So that's yeah. really a lot of wisdom there. Hey, your website is signature analytics.com signatureanalytics.com. I'll put that in the show notes at thinktyler.com. If people wanted to reach out to you, is there anywhere else you'd like them to go?
1: Yeah, the website's a really easy way to reach out. If anyone wants to email me, that's great too. It's the letter J Kruger, K-R-U-G-E-R at signatureanalytics.com. Um, I try to be very responsive. We have, you know, a great team. I like to talk to business owners. Whether we if I can offer some level of support, just through conversation or making introductions. I'm happy to do that. I'm just really excited to talk about business owners, what they're doing and, and learning about them. And, you know, if they're a client of ours, that's great. If they're not, I want to make sure that I can do what I can and help them be successful, so.
2: Very cool. And then you, even though you're located in San Diego, your headquarters, you have clients throughout the United States, as I understand it. Yep. You do have like a virtual system in a lot of cases. And then do you have a, a certain client? Profile that you prefer or that's a good match for your services?
1: Yeah, you know, we work with uh, clients in all types of industries. Okay. So we're not limited. Uh, we have a lot of comp- clients in professional service space. Um, we're obviously our company is professional service. So, I mean, we we know that space inside and out. We also have a lot of clients in manufacturing, uh, distribution, construction. We have a very good niche, a solid niche with nonprofits. Um, we have some very big name nonprofits uh, clients. Um, that we work with software, technology. I mean, it's it's really across the board. And we have, and, and we hire. We have different verticals within our within our firm, and we have vertical experts. And so we make sure that our clients. You know, if you are a technology company, you're working with somebody or a team that has that experience in technology. If you're working, especially manufacturing, I mean, cost accounting is critical. And if someone doesn't have cost accounting experience, I want to get in the weeds too much. It's very difficult to show value and and really support a company. And so making sure we have that right team in place is critical. But, and we'll be honest, if it's not a fit, or if we don't feel we can provide value, we're not going to try to fit a a square peg in a round hole. We'll say, hey, you know what? This is not in our wheelhouse, but here's
2: someone who can probably help you. And then another question, your services, do they kind of mold around to whatever the client needs? So if a client needs a fractional CFO, you guys step in at that do you help them kind of build out a team or or if they have certain components of a team, you kind of implement into that? Is that how it works?
1: Yes, exactly. So the first thing we do is we assess their current team, their current environment. Um, a lot of our clients have outgrown their... They started with the bookkeeper. They, maybe they're called a controller now, but they're really still the bookkeeper and they've outgrown that skill set. And so they're looking at, okay, I'm feeling the pain point of having the team I have. I'm not getting good information. I don't truly understand my cash flow. I can't manage the business in my head anymore. So we'll assess that team and we'll say, okay, this might be a good person you have. Let's not get rid of them, but let's leverage them for, and let's define their role. And then we can layer in above and below them to create that very flexible, scalable team that really focuses on on driving their business to that next level and giving them the confidence in their accounting and the visibility. So it's really, it is a very custom solution. We typically start with assessing their current environment. We look at their people, their processes, their technology, their reporting infrastructure. And then we we meet with the, the client management and say, okay, where is value? How do you define value? What are your goals? How do we get there so that we can really help them to focus on achieving those results?
2: Very cool. Very cool. Well, hey, thanks, Jason, for being on the show. You've shared a lot of information that's uh, very valuable insights, and I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Tyler. I really appreciate it. Okay, take
2: care. Thanks.